Even the praise team this morning sang about the cross and everything. We've just had Easter. The tomb is empty, but yet the cross made all that possible. And so it is good for us to talk about constantly the cross. Even the song that I chose, I had picked out that hymn. We don't sing it that often. Charles Wesley wrote it. Spirit of faith, come down and reveal the things of God and make to us the Godhead known witness with the blood. Tis thine the blood to apply and give us eyes to see. He did for every sinner die, hath surely died for me. Again, he reminds us of the blood in that latter part. Wesley does uh, the grace. Then, only then, we feel our interest in his blood and cry with joy unspeakable, Thou art my Lord and my God. Today's sermon is spirit-filled, spirit-led. Both can happen and does happen in our lives. And so I want to talk about that because now that last Sunday was Easter, now what? We know that Jesus gave the great commission, go therefore and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And so he gave us this great commission. Then we, we know because we've got a stained glass window in Mark's 3D that talked about he ascended, he ascended up. And so now he sits at the right hand of the Father. Now what? Well, the disciples were sort of wondering the same thing. They were confused. They didn't even really believe he would rise from the dead. And then when he did, they were still freaked out and scared and didn't know what to do. Then Jesus had told them, said, It's to your advantage that I go to the Father, for I will send you another helper. See, God the Father and God the Son had a plan. The Holy Spirit had always been around. We know from reading in Genesis, the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. But now Jesus, not only does he die for our sins and we receive and understand uh, salvation, but he also provided through his death and atonement the promise of the indwelling and the empowering of the Holy Spirit, which is the sanctifying work that we continually need. Salvation, sanctification, taught all through the Bible, but even more so now that Jesus has ascended. So... uh, Galatians 5, I read it earlier, if we live in the Spirit, then let us also walk in the Spirit. Galatians 5, 16 repeats it, I say then, walk in the Spirit. So last Sunday, if you were not here, I preached about that we should walk with God. Enoch walked with God. But now I want to talk about walking with the Holy Spirit. And uh, we do serve a triune God. We pray often in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But who is the Holy Spirit? A few months ago, or a few weeks ago, by the way, the little girl named Madeline Beck, she's got the last name as I've got Beck, I know most of you know that, but she and I were turkey hunting. We were sitting in the woods, we'd taken a long walk, and she was thirsty and tired, and we sat down, and any time's a good time to teach our kids, and so I, I, we're sitting there, and she's getting a drink of cool water, and the wind and the breeze is blowing through the pine trees, and the area that we were at had had, had a control burn meaning they had burned off all the underbrush, and so you had all these pine trees. They're about 40, 50 foot high, and the, the, the base of the tree is charred black. But then, just a few weeks ago, when the spring came forth, all the grass was green, all in these pine trees, and we're sitting there. If you've ever sat in pine trees, you know the wind blows through there. And I said, because Tyler had just preached from this text in John, said, Madeline, did you know that Jesus talked about the wind and the Holy Spirit? 
I paraphrase, but this is what it said. Jesus said, the wind blows where it wishes. And you hear the sound of it, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. So we talk about that breeze and the wind blowing. Sometimes it blows stronger. Sometimes it's just a gentle, cool breeze that we need. I want to share a video clip with you that talks about, the title of it is, After Easter Challenge. I especially want you to notice this very simple, very simple video clip, but toward the end of it, it talks about the Holy Spirit. Listen closely and read closely what it says about the Holy Spirit. In order to fulfill this great commission, we need help. Jesus said, I'm going to send you somebody to help you. So the same Holy Spirit who raised Jesus from the dead is the same Holy Spirit who indwells us as believers. We need to be reminded of that sometimes. Because we know we can quench him, we can grieve him, we all do it. I was curious, and you know that we've been reading the book of Mark. The whole church has during the season of Lent. All the sermons have come from that. And since I knew I was going to preach about the Holy Spirit, I just pulled up on the internet, put in Bible, and looked in the word Holy Spirit. How many times did Mark use the word Holy Spirit? Do you realize only five times? So I'm going to read them all to you very quickly. You'll see them up on the screen. But what Jesus did tell us about the Holy Spirit is very important. So Mark 1, 8 through 10. I indeed, John the Baptist said, I indeed baptize you with water. But he, that is Jesus, will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. So there's the first reference. That's very critical and very important to know that the one who can baptize you with his very spirit is Jesus himself. Then in verse 9, it came, he, it came to pass in those days that Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee. And he was baptized by John in the Jordan. And immediately, coming up from the water, he saw the heavens parting and the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, descending Upon him like a dove. You can only imagine what all that must have looked like and been like. But that's the description we're given. Like a dove coming down and came upon him and anointed him for his ministry. That's the second mention of God's spirit. Third one, Mark 3, verse 28 and 29. This is drastic. 
Assuredly, I say to you, all sins will be forgiven the sons of men and whatever blasphemies they may utter. But he who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness but is subject to eternal condemnation. Good grief, what an extreme statement from just him baptizing us. And like a dove, he comes down to Jesus says, Oh, don't blaspheme him. Do not reject him. Then he tells us in Mark 12, this is the fourth time that he mentions the Holy Spirit in the book of Mark. Mark 12, 35 through 37. Then Jesus answered and said, while he taught in the temple, Jesus said, how is it that the scribes say that Christ is the son of David? For David himself said by the Holy Spirit. Who told him to say it? The Holy Spirit did. So the Holy Spirit was present in the Old Testament. The Holy Spirit gave David the words to write as scripture. So for David himself said by the Holy Spirit, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Jesus said, therefore, David himself calls him Lord. How is he then his son? The fifth time that Mark mentions the Holy Spirit is in Mark 13, 10 and 11. And the gospel must first be preached to all the nations. But when they arrest you and they deliver you up, do not worry beforehand or premeditate what you will speak. But whatever is given to you in that hour, speak that. For it is not you who speak, but the Holy Spirit. Let me go back over those kind of quickly. We need Christ to baptize us with the Holy Spirit. I very seldom... I always say this, preach on the Holy Spirit, but what I do not quote, Luke eleven thirteen. It's such a simple verse. It was so simple that one day I read it and it made sense. Luke eleven thirteen says, If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Brothers and sisters, ask him. Ask him. Ask him to fill you with the Spirit. You don't have to know and try to figure out everything about it. Just ask him to fill you. And don't ever stop asking him because you need him. Second thing, do not blaspheme the Holy Spirit. I preached on this a few weeks ago, but that means do not resist him. Do not reject him because the only way a person can come to Christ is that the Spirit of God leads him. So you don't want to reject him. Forgiveness cannot come, Jesus said. Even the martyr in the book of Acts, Stephen, said in Acts 7, 51 and 52, before they stoned him, he looked at those who were about to stone him, and it's interesting what he said. He said, you stiff-necked and you uncircumcised in heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit. As your fathers did, so do you. You don't want to resist him, Jesus said. You don't want to reject him. The third thing then is the Holy Spirit spoke through David. The author of the Bible is the Holy Spirit. Everything that David wrote, he wrote by the Holy Spirit. That's just what he told us. It's important for us to know that so that this book that we read is spiritual food to us. Jesus said in John 6, 63, that the words that I speak to you are spirit and they're life to you. That's why when you read it, it reads you. 
something happens. Scriptures go on to tell us in 2 Timothy 3, All Scripture is given by the inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, correction, instruction, and righteousness, that the man or woman of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the Word of God is living. Why is it? Because its author is alive, the Holy Spirit. For the Word of God is living and it's powerful and it's sharper than any two-edged sword. Now you know what a two-edged sword means. It's got two sides that are sharp so when it goes in it cuts both ways. Two-edged sword, it are piercing even to the divisions of soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. The Holy Spirit wrote this. I think one of the reasons Jesus mentioned there in Mark just let us know that when David wrote, he wrote by the Holy Spirit. Fourth time, the Holy Spirit of fifth. The Holy Spirit will help us to speak his truth. Acts 15, 28 is a very simple statement. The church has begun in Acts 15, 28. It says, the early church believers said, it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay upon you no greater burden than is necessary than these things. They just consulted with him. Do you consult with the Holy Spirit when you're making decisions in your life? The early church did. It seemed good to the Holy Spirit. Glad and I pray over things that we make decisions about. Does it seem good to God's Spirit? God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Jesus said in John 14, I will pray the Father... And he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. And then Jesus said in John 14, 26, But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and he will bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. When Jesus walked in the walls in John, the 20th chapter, he came in there to the disciples. And among many of the things that he said, one is don't be afraid in peace. But then he said, and the Bible says in John 20, that he, he breathed on them and he said, receive the Holy Spirit. Why would he say that unless they didn't need the Holy Spirit? It's true with us as well. This is kind of a crazy illustration I'm going to give you, but it, there are times we need to really call on the Holy Spirit to help us know what to say. first church I was pastoring was Altoona, United Methodist Church. I'd been there probably a year and a half or so. I was still in seminary, and, and uh, what I'm about to tell you, I had not taken that class uh, to know what to do. And so I got a call late one night. It's about 11.30. I'm asleep, so I'm trying to wake up. I've got a guy on the phone that goes to my church, and I had met his two stepsons a couple of times. The oldest one was about 18. Gary tells me that the 18-year-old, now let's call him Mike, is threatening to commit suicide. He's up here at our house. And he shared with me that it involved a girl that he dated for a long time. She broke it off. He went to the house and the brothers beat him up. So he's beat up. He's hurting. And he says, I just want to kill myself. I just want to die. Preacher, would you come help? And so I go up there and I go into the room. They said he's in his bedroom sitting on the bed. Now they, they left out one bit of information I'm about to tell you. So I go in past him, the lights are dim, he's crying, weeping, he's got his hands down beside him in the bed. 
And I didn't notice, but I sat down on the other side of him, and, and I said a few words, and he sobbed, and then he raised his hands up from the side of the bed, and he was holding a loaded pistol. That would have been good to have known going into this, but I didn't know that. The gun is pointed toward me, and in my mind I'm thinking, I hadn't had this class in seminary. I don't know what to tell this boy. But I was praying fervently. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, help me know what to say. And he did. I don't remember exactly the words, but I had prayed, please help me to say the right thing. He ended up handing me the gun. Praise the Lord. He ended up coming to church. I had some work that the men were going to do around the church. I invited him to come and do that to get his mind off himself on something else. And, and by the way, he's doing great. He's in his 40s now. There's just moments and times I hope that won't be that dramatic in your life. There's times when you're going to have to just depend upon the Holy Spirit to help you to get through life, to get through one more day. I quoted in the 3D, Dr. Dennis Kinlaw, and I'm about to read it right now, and just to preface it with that, you know, I, I said the title of the sermon is Spirit-Filled, and we want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We have those moments. We hear a song. We hear a sermon. We just have prayer time with God, and God just fills us. We may go on a retreat, and we just don't want it to, this exhilaration, this, this closeness of God's Spirit to always stay the same, and we know that's not always true, and so there's a difference between being Spirit-Filled and being spirit-led, Dr. Dennis Kinlaw said this regarding walking with the Holy Spirit. When God moves in a special way in our midst, we wish the exhilaration of that could last forever, but it does not. Then he said, this is deep, leave you with this to think about. In a sense, Kinlaw said, it's easier to be filled with the Holy Spirit than it is to walk in the Holy Spirit. Spirit-filled is easier than being spirit-led. Learning to walk in the Spirit is a deeper lesson in the life of faith. You know those yield signs when you're driving down the road and you see a yield sign? That <laughs> means you're supposed to yield. But a lot of times in life, we don't want to yield. The Holy Spirit says you need to yield. So let me ask you this way. Are you walking? close enough to the Holy Spirit that He is free to speak to you about your attitude. Does He ever check you? So is He close enough to, to speak to you about your attitude? Is He close enough to speak to you about your words? Is He close enough to speak to you about the books that you read or the movies you choose to watch? Or your thought life? Is He close enough to question what you're thinking? Is he close enough to us to check our friendships? To, is he close enough to check your finances? What about your entertainment? Does he have a say-so in it? When he asks you to change your behavior, do you listen? A lot of people don't. We can quench him, we can grieve him, and I'm preaching to myself. But when he asks you to change your behavior, I want to close with one of my favorite passages about the Holy Spirit. I've gone to it a lot lately. It's Romans 8. 
verse 26 and 27. Romans 8, 26 and 27. It says that likewise the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, also helps us in our weaknesses. You've experienced this. The Holy Spirit helps us in our weaknesses, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit Himself, He makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. He's praying on our behalf. Sometimes when we don't even know how to pray. But I know you've been in that place, and I have too. I don't even know. I don't even know what I ought to pray. The Holy Spirit groans within Himself and intercedes for us. And then verse 27, it says, Now He, that is the Spirit of God, who searches the hearts and knows what the mind of the Spirit is, because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. That's powerful. In those times when we're trying to make decisions and we don't know what the heck we're doing. Holy Spirit, I need help and I know Jesus called you to help me. And I'm reminded he's interceding for me. Y'all, that's powerful you to claim that the Spirit of God is making intercession for you. So while we may include God and Jesus as our friends, be reminded today that the Holy Spirit should be, and if He's not, He's one of the best friends you'll ever have. Let's pray together. God, you are a triune God where we get the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. You're one, always. Holy Spirit, thank you for pointing me to God the Father and to Jesus. But remind us today that you told us clearly in your word that we're to walk in the Spirit. And God help us to walk and be led by the Spirit of God. In Jesus' name, amen.